Podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined uh, this week. Harrison is going to be filling in for Pete for uh, Pete's two episodes that he would normally do. Uh, it's just been a while. We've been having comments on on iTunes. People kind of miss you, dude. Oh, have people been asking for me on iTunes? That's really nice. I, they, they, well, it's, it's a lot of Those like... Those definitely weren't my burners. When are you guys going to do a three-man podcast with the three of you? But, you know... Oh. It right, still well, counts. It's, it's close-ish. That's like almost a compliment. Yeah, yeah I'll take all... that. Okay, I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> it at least it at least outweighs the number of people who are saying they would rather you host the show instead of me on Twitter. Like we get that a yeah. lot. Yeah. Well, I I only get that I'd say like once every couple weeks. <laughs> it, you it usually coincides with the Lakers doing something stupid. Which hey, guess what? <laughs> the Lakers did it's a- another day ending in Y. <laughs> uh, Magic Johnson starts the day at seven in the morning, hopping on uh, first take and letting her rip, which in and of itself was stupid and petty. And, and he didn't come off looking very well, I don't think. Uh, and then you find out that he had... I guess spoken to Jeannie and spoken to Palenka and gave them no warning of what he was going to say, which makes it even worse. (laughs) It was Palenka in the press conference was like, I I, I didn't know what to believe when all this was like coming out in real time and whatever. And like, he was like, I just had a totally pleasant. I was shocked because I just had a totally pleasant conversation with Irvin two days ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, and, you know, and then ESPN reported that the same thing that they had talked a couple of days before and that Jeannie had had multiple hours on the phone and that dinner in person that they posted about on Twitter and everything like she throughout that she had been asking. She's like, OK, so like the backstabbing thing. Was there anything with Polinka or what was going on? <laughs> like, is there anything else? And Magic just kept going like, no, you know, I just wanted to get back to being Magic Johnson. I felt constrained by the job. And they were like, OK. And then Magic goes on first take and just blasts the entire Score organization. Shirt. It was like Walter White in the season finale or series finale of Breaking Bad. Yeah. He just like opened up the trunk and it was over for everyone. Yeah. So we're going to talk uh, about Magic's comments. We're going to talk about Frank Vogel's uh, press conference his introduction today which was again derailed because magic happened uh so there's a ton to get to we're just going to dive right into this harrison what was your favorite thing that anybody said over the course of the day oh man you're putting me on the spot a little bit um i mean my favorite thing i think was was Frank Vogel trying to retake control of his introductory press conference? <laughs> and he slid into questions multiple times, and I was like, "Oh, Frank, just sit this." Yeah, one I just I just felt bad. Like there was one point where what did he say? He just like he just jumped in, and he was like, "Yeah." And what I'd like to add, quite frankly, is the perception of the organization is very far from the reality, from my experience coming in here, of just the thoroughness of the work, dude. You've been here like like a week, also, buddy. He's like, there were only two attempts on two of the days. (laughs) Look at the process that led to you being hired. Frank, just sit it out. I understand it. Anthony, he's tuning out the noise already. He was tuning out the noise before he was hired. He's tuning out the noise now that he's been hired. Uh Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. He said most of his new. Well, he said, admitted that he's like an avid around the horn watcher. So I don't know. Maybe this stuff like there was other national news. So this stuff just didn't come up for like the Tyron Lou stuff. That seems doubtful. How do you how are you both a fan of around the horn and trying to tune out noise? I feel like those yeah. two things are <laughs> mutually exclusive. He, he said like a bunch of times today that the Lakers have to tune out the noise. I, yeah, I just thought that it was funny that he's like he's been hired for like officially hired for like a week. Mm-hmm. And he's telling us that the perception of the organization is off. It's like, dude, <laughs> like, I know I know you're the head coach, but you've been here a week. Like today's your first official day on the job. I, I really liked Magic saying that he's ready to buy the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, that's so we can just jump right into that. that. Yeah, that to me is the best theory that I've heard for why he decided to do this now, because, you know, there's a lot of people that have said like, oh, you know, he was just tired of having his name dragged through the mud. He was da 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 like uh, he was, you know, he was just sick have and tired. His like, mentions, his mentions have always been a tire fire. Yeah, he wanted he to care. He wanted, yeah, he wanted to just like get back at Rob Polinka, whatever. No, he's I, he, I I think he's trying to tank the he's trying to tank the team and pressure <laughs> make things uncomfortable enough for Genie Bus to sell. That's the only way this makes sense. He even especially went so to far, blindside them like that. Somebody even, that you're calling a sister. He even went so far as to say that he has a really good relationship with is it Phil Anschutz? Yeah. He went so far as to say that I've known that guy for 40 years. We have a great relationship. Phil Anschutz, by the way, has right of first refusal by way of AEG. <laughs> Magic is like, oh, yeah, we're great. I mean, to be fair, he was specifically asked. Yeah. But come on, like that guy's not getting a name drop. Like, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to accuse anyone of anything. But that interview seemed awfully uh, like preordained. Well rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was like a po- it was like a podcast that you, you know, you went over like the game plan beforehand and you knew what you were going to talk about and everybody kind of knew when to hit their talking points and when they were going to get to talk. There was just, you know, like oh, there was a lot of talking points that were very convenient for magic. <laughs> uh any any what was your what was your next Well, you know what? Let's take a quick second here. Let's take a quick second. Uh we are going to throw to commercial pay a few bills and when we come back, we're just days like this when it is so hectic when is so chaotic. I just think the best way to do these things is just kind of riff on them and have fun at the Lakers' expense. And and frankly, it's the best way to stay not psycho. <laughs> it's it's the best way to keep our insanity is to just kind of laugh our way for through the last these fourteen things. hours. Sanity is out the window. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. Uh, so what we're gonna do though? We're gonna take a quick second when we come back. We'll see if Harrison has any remaining sanity. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com, Unticket.com, and Grip6 Belts. I talked to you guys about it a little bit yesterday. We are getting ready for, for Father's Day. If you're trying to figure out either what to give your dad or you are a dad and you're trying to figure out what you want to ask for, a trip is lovely. Uh, Unticket, un- Untucket shirts are the best. They are incredible. They always fit just perfectly around the waist, which is very important. And then speaking of your waist, Grip6 Belts, make sure that your pants stay up, which seems kind of important. Uh, the other thing today uh, that I have to mention that I that I, I have been remiss in mentioning re- lately, you guys know where to find the show. 
and you know whether that's on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you usually get your podcasts. Uh, there are great pl- platforms out there, but one in particular that we have to mention, uh, just because of how cool the product it is, is Himalaya. So check them out. It's spelled just like the mountain range, uh, and and you can find all of your favorite podcasts there. They have been incredible with their support of the show and, and support of the network in general. So check them out. Let's get back to the show. To, to build off of the thing about, you know, ownership and, and stuff like that, uh, I, I kind of sort of enjoyed Magic comparing Genie's wealth to newer owners in the NBA. Uh, and and I mean, basically called her broke compared yeah. to the other to the other owners. No, yeah, he's like he's like you know I would never want Gene to sell the team, but at the same time the game's changed with all these new billion, super billionaire owners. Right. Who who by the way he's a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Although Magic's like Magic's not that level of billionaire. No, no, where he not could just buy the Lakers outright. Yeah, not yeah. fourteen times over in the same way Balmer is, but but he he's a part of that three comma club. Right. And uh, and, you know, he's probably worth twice as much as is Jeannie Buss in terms of reported net worth. Uh, well, she owns the Lakers, so probably not. But well, no. So she in in terms of revenue, like cash liquidation, stuff like that. She yeah. Yeah. So like million. functional wealth. Not. Yeah. 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 Magic is at twice that. Yeah. I don't know. The whole day was just so. It was Weird. just ridiculous. It was dumb. It was, it was a TV show. It was yeah. <laughs> it was it was something that you get, and you couldn't even turn away. I mean, like you said, you've been at your computer for fourteen hours. That's because literally we haven't been able to like they haven't stopped leaking stuff. Yeah, like everybody's trying to get their narrative out there, and it, it's just like to me the bottom line from all of this is like it's not, it, it's just dysfunctional. Yeah. Like a, a lottery team should not be making this much noise in May. Yeah. There's no reason. There's no reason. And I say that as, like outside of being someone who's tired of writing about it, you know, j- just today because it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. But it's just there's absolutely no reason that any lottery team should be making this much. Like the New Orleans Pelicans won the lottery last week and there's been like three stories written about them in the ensuing five days. We were no, uh, we are recording this right now at 909 uh, p.m. Pacific time. The Warriors just punched their ticket to the NBA finals. You know what the second story is? On the Warriors punching their ticket to the NBA finals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, we'll come back to more of this. But Magic Johnson said that. They're like, yeah, we're going to talk about this basketball thing in a little bit. And, you know, the good teams. But for now, <laughs> look at this Magic dumpster fire. Zoo. I want to I want to uh, offer up a little credit where I think it's due. I thought Polinka handled the day about as well as he could. I thought Frank Vogel handled the day about as well as he could. So yeah. let's just I, I, let's spend a couple minutes on on those guys. Uh, Polinka taking the high road here in the press conference, saying that you know finding out about these things uh, through the media is it's it's hard to believe and 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 it's untrue and stuff like that. But he didn't snap back. He didn't clap back. It was just it was just uh, he addressed it, said a whole lot of nothing, and moved on. And and this is something I've written about a couple times now, because he's had a he's had a, a couple he did that one uh, conference call after the Lakers won the lottery, 
Yes. Where he said a whole bunch of nothing uh, and, and used a lot of words to say nothing at all. And then mm-hmm. now today, in even tougher circumstances, was able to figure out a way to do that again. And And for a face of an organization, especially such a dysfunctional organization, that is an invaluable uh, ability. That is an inv- invaluable talent that he was able to – Handle this stuff, say a whole bunch of nothing, and move on. The Lakers haven't had that since Magic Johnson had the mic. And like the thing is, is he can't win a bat. He can't win a mud fight with Magic Johnson because no. if he goes dirty, fans are like the collective Laker fan base has n- no love for Rob Palinka in the same way right. that their like feelings exist for Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's also I'm sure an act of like self preservation and mm-hmm. playing the smart cards when he can. But at the but same he's time, he's capable right, of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that. That's a skill. Saying nothing in a whole lot of words in this job in his job. On unfortunately is a skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, like, I I think you, and while you can't win a fight with magic Johnson, the public consciousness, the one way that you can turn that around, I think is by doing exactly what he did and almost playing the victim, but not really blaming magic. Like if if you really listen closely and you read closely what he said, he didn't call magic a liar. He just said that he thinks that magic was misinformed, Mm -hmm. which is then that allows you to do the Lakers favorite thing of blaming the nebulous third party. Yeah. Usually it's yelling about the media. In this case, he did not specify the media, but he said that, you know, these like these other people that I guess want to drive dissent between him and magic. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I I just, I, I think he played it as smartly as he could have. And I thought that Vogel as well was incredibly, kind of understanding and it was I was listening I was listening to his scrum with reporters after the press conference when he came back to like actually talk about himself because the whole press conference <laughs> like happen. there were there were 16 questions and only seven of them were directed at him that and seems five, high honestly five of them were about basketball oh okay that sounds bad. so yeah I want to I want to I want to quickly ironically, I want to go back and talk about Palenka here. The one way you do win a mud fight with Magic Johnson is allow Magic to get himself so dirty that you look okay by comparison. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. By him taking a step back and saying, like, uh, oh, man, like, this is really bad. Like, you know, that hurt my feelings because I'm friend. He didn't say it hurt his feelings, but he said, I think he said he was hurt or whatever. He used some along those lines. But by this stuff with magic, it makes him look like a sympathetic figure because mm-hmm. it makes them, it allows them to sell the narrative. We were blindsided by magic Johnson and also, what he said, whether or not that's true. Also, you know, eventually magic is going to talk himself into knots. Like I would imagine, I would imagine this is something that Palenka is very aware of with magic Johnson is that eventually magic is, he can't help himself. He he literally cannot help himself. He's going to go back on and relitigate the Anthony Davis trade again next week, probably. Yeah, he he, he, he said at the end of first take today, he's like, "Oh man, you you and me." Like he was talking to Stephen A. Smith. He's like, "We got plans for next month," and it's like, "Oh no, this is not." Yeah, like eventually. I really so, hope he just means like a part, like a private party where no <laughs> audio is like, please, Magic, never go on first take again. That was too much. Like, at least not on Christian's day off. I just, I needed some help transcribing. <laughs> I Here's the thing, Magic, and this is one of the things that we ran into, you especially, I would imagine, ran into it in ways that very few other people in the world ran into it was by 
transcribing all of this stuff, by rereading all of this stuff, by by editing the articles that are written about him uh, talking himself into a pretzel knot, you really come to grips with the fact that, like, this guy either is, is incoherent, right, just in general, he's a disorganized guy who is not an organized talker, or he's telling multiple stories that all try to paint himself in the best light, but... That's impossible to do because he's not in the best light here. He left unprofessionally. He was not a hard worker when he was working with the Lakers. And and look, it'd be one thing if going into it, he said, I'm going to trust Rob Palenka. He's going to run the day-to-day stuff. And he said that publicly, right? But right before he was hired, he went on Spectrum and he said, uh, there, there are no other circumstances where I would have backed away from my business, my other businesses, to focus solely on the Lakers. So even when he goes out and says that Jeannie understood and that he and uh, Jeannie negotiated his ability to step away from the organization every so often, that flies in the face of a story that he said years prior. And then there are other instances where he's flying in the face of things that he said months prior. There are some situations where he's flying in the face of things that he said minutes prior. He's just he's not good at this. And I think Palenka knows that. And I think that he just says whatever he thinks is going to play best with his audience at the time. Yeah. Sometimes and sometimes those can be different things in the same sentence. Like Mm -hmm. the way that that was best at the way that that best came across, I think, in the first take uh, thing today. And you and I were talking about this is he's constantly saying, oh, Jeannie's my sister. Oh, I want to help the Lakers. I'd do anything that could help the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And either that's just like either he's just lying or he just has no idea how to actually do that. Yeah, because this is not a good look like you can tell me, okay, maybe free agents don't care about the media coverage. Maybe they don't care about all like all they see. There's an argument to be made that Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard or whoever, like they just, all they see in their recruitment meeting is LeBron James sitting across the table from them, either saying, come make space jam two with me and also play in LA or saying, Hey, I think you and me together, we can go do this. Like, like if the best person in your field, like like comes and sits down at a table across from you and is like, hey, I think that you're the missing piece. Mm-hmm. You and me together can go take over the whole league or we can make this team a contender and bring it back and imagine how much this fan base is going to love us. Like maybe that's a compelling argument, but that may not be enough when you have all of the rest of this going on and the whole thing just looks like such a train wreck from a distance. Yeah. Like maybe you can, maybe LeBron can cut through that, but right now he is your only hope. And the thing that I keep coming back to is if the Lakers succeed, it's going to be in spite of their best efforts, not because yeah. of them. And that doesn't bode well for the franchise long-term. Yeah. Cause even, you know, eventually LeBron's not going to be there. And then is yeah. is the second star that LeBron's pulling in here, is he going to have the pull down the road to be able to pull in the next, next star, right? Well, it's going to be Jimmy Butler, so no. <laughs> Good point. Touche. He's going to try and recruit Cat. <laughs> Wiggins. All that stuff, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not, I can't do it. <laughs> he just, like, walks out of the recruitment meeting. Yeah. He, he pulls a full Kobe and is like, oh, I'm going to yeah, teach absolutely. you how to win. Yeah. No, cat sits down. Stand up, son. <laughs> I brought the practice squad in. We're running fives again. No, cat's gonna sit down, and you're gonna find out that Jimmy removed all the screws from the chair, and he's just gonna fall <laughs> through the chair. <laughs> and he just runs out of the room. Still a bitch. 
out. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick second here, uh, and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about there are a, a couple talking points that I think we have to hit. One, the organizational structure that Palenka Palenka alluded yeah. to over the course of the press conference, and I, I that's think significant. That, that that went tucked away amidst all the other drama stuff, mm-hmm. but what he revealed, I think, is significant in terms of how we evaluate this team moving forward. Yep. That and then uh, there's another one that I forgot. Frankly, oh, uh, I frankly I, pun intended. Yeah, that's actually a really good pun. Yeah, actually, it I'll was intended. That now that you, uh, but no, the the other thing that I wanted to get to was the one moment that I thought Magic actually won, um, and and I think that one moment should be extended to everybody else in the Lakers organization. They can take note from the one ma- the one moment that Magic said something that everybody said like, okay, fine, finally. Uh, so we're going to get to that moment and extend that into the rest of the conversation about the Lakers structure here in a bit. So I thought the one five-minute stretch where Magic actually came out on top of a talking point. Very curious to find out what you think this is. Is when he said he messed up with Brooke Lopez. Sort of. Well, no. So the Brooke Lopez thing, he said, that's on me. Right. It was yeah. just that. If he would have stopped talking right there and then, it would have been the perfect point. Yes. And And... Unfortunately, he didn't. But as right? Matt Johnson does, <laughs> he did not stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he made some terrible excuse about Julius Randle. He made an even worse excuse and no, an even I, worse I, I explanation for, for Evita Zubots. I broke this down for Silver Screen and Roll. So if you want like a complete list of his comments and what I, what I exactly I took issue with, you can go to the site and read it there. But basically, for Randall, he said that he wouldn't have fit with LeBron, and then Terrible. and then he also said they didn't want to extend the cap. He said that he wouldn't fit with LeBron, he wouldn't space the floor, and basically that Randall wanted a two year deal and they were only offering one. The only one of those that's somewhat excusable to me is the one year deal. I know that you don't agree with the philosophy. I know that that contract's movable. I know. No, it's not a bad deal for Randall in a vacuum, but it was very clear that their plan was to keep all that cap space open and try and sign a star this summer. So I understand that one. If he would have just said that, then I wouldn't have really taken any issue with it. But it's the fact that he's he's saying, oh, man, it was a mistake. We didn't bring back Lopez, but like, oh, we couldn't bring back Randall because like he wouldn't fit with LeBron or he wouldn't space the floor. But like you didn't bring back Lopez. So clearly you weren't prioritizing floor spacing or like mm-hmm. like you can't have it both ways. You know what I'm saying? Also, Randall shot 34 percent, which would have put him in, I think, the top five on, on the Lakers this year. That's so sad. That's not even good. That like <laughs> that's not even a good three point. Like, I mean, good for him, but yeah. like that's not good. It's a, and then. I just thought that what he said about Zoo as he was continuing the Lopez point was pretty classless. Yes. And you can you can be mad at Zoo for kind of like, you know, he took his cutesy little pot shots at like at the Lakers on his way out. And like he claimed that it was like, you know, the reporter took him out of context. I read the comments. There was no out of context there. Yeah. You said that, like, if they want to come watch good basketball, they should come watch the Clippers. Zubots and- did the media version of like shoving somebody and putting your hands up. You know, like the, yeah. the, the the Kevin Garnett like bounce into somebody and then like whoa 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 what's this guy I don't mad know what about? happened there yeah <laughs> right right yeah so like I get that at the same time he's 22 years old Magic Johnson has been around the NBA for decades he mm-hmm. was an executive he's a statesman of the game he's, he's an ambassador he's been of the around NBA this for 40 years 
Yeah, that's what I mean. And so, like, he has to be held to a higher standard than Avica Zubats. And for him to be encouraging Stephen A. Smith, like, like read his stats, like, uh, like on the air and encouraging him and laughing as he's reading Zubats' playoff stats is just a colossally bad look for him. And the Lakers should just be happy that he is no longer employed by them to make that reflect even more poorly on them than it already does. But it just the, the whole thing of that really, to me, just emphasized why he should not have had this job in the first place. You have the bad reasoning for making decisions, and you have the talking way too much and way more than you needed to. Mm-hmm. It's just you combine those two things. It was – you – took it you took the Lopez thing as a positive I agree with you that it's positive that they noticed that yeah and you had to hope that you have to hope the Lakers learn the same lesson that he did about needing shooting despite Rob Palenka's talk of thrust Mm -hmm. we can uh (laughs) we can throw back to that old episode of the Lake show at some point um yeah so uh, like I, I, the whole thing to me, I, I actually take the opposite. So I think it emphasized to me why he should not have had this job in the first place, no, and why I, it was always a decision. I'm only isolating that bit about Lopez, only yeah. Lopez specifically, and and I'm extending that to I think the rest of the Lakers, where they have to. The only way, so the way that Polinka won this back and forth with Magic, won quote unquote, won this back and forth with Magic today, was by shutting up, by letting Magic make his own mistakes, and then just letting it go. Right. Uh, I would say the Lakers have to take it further. Somebody has to step up and take some accountability and say, look, this has not gone well. And, and, and I think this is where Jeannie not even being in the press conference today is so inexcusable a mistake. It was such a terror. Now, maybe she has something. It's just strange. Like, it's not, you know, like, it's not something. I'm not going to be the hot take columnist guy that's like, it was a disgrace to the Lakers that she wasn't there. Like, I don't want to do that. But it's just like, it just wasn't a great look. Like, you should be there when you're hiring the coach. Like, And your coach is preaching togetherness. Yeah, and the owner's <laughs> well, not you're there. You're literally not together. And but, like maybe she was up in her office and just out of sight or whatever, but like still it's, you still it's about the her. imagery. It's not about if you were functionally there or could hear it. It's about the visual. Somebody somebody could have still seen her if she was up in her office, by the way. She yeah. has that she has that window that overlooks the rest of the court with all the, the trophies right there. We yeah. know that we know where her office is. Uh she has to be in the room. And she has, she she has to be there. And like I said, like the the one moment where magic actually looked like he might actually do okay. Now he went to, he he took it a step, like two or three steps too far and wound up looking dumb again. But the one moment where magic actually came off as not sympathetic, but, but at least contrite was when he said, yeah, I screwed up. I should have, we should have re-signed Brooke Lopez. That's on me. Right. And then just Which shut up right interesting. there. It was interesting to hear that, just given that I think both of us have heard the whispers it that like Lopez did not want to come back. Yeah, but it was like definitely him. I think I almost felt like it was him taking a convenient thing that he was criticized for and being like, okay, I'll like I'll be self-facing about that and say, yeah. oh, that's a, that one's on me right. because everybody's already going to criticize you for that one no matter what. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, that's it, possible. No, if you didn't know. Like, like, how do you not know that that's a bad idea last summer? You know, like, well, he he didn't. It's like we've been saying all along with this front office. They're so inexperienced that they don't understand when they're doing dumb things. Right. Like the child who gets behind the wheel of a car doesn't know that they're doing something dumb until they, they until they wreck the car. And then they say, oh, crap, that probably wasn't very smart. Right. No, I feel like my I feel like. 
I would have known if I had stolen my dad's car that I was doing something pretty dumb. I would have pretended that I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The last thing that we we need to end on this one here is about the Lakers organizational structure. And so it's the day started with Magic saying that there are too many cooks in the kitchen, basically. Right? Yeah. That there there are too many voices in the room. There's too much information going at Jeannie Buss, and she's overwhelmed by the amount of information and the amount of takes that are in that front office, especially now that apparently Tim Harris wants to be involved in basketball operations, which, which frankly, I can't even freaking blame him for. He sees all these other idiots. He's like, I can do that. Why not? So uh, you hear that from Magic. And I thought that was one of the more cognizant points that he made. One of the more the one of the more feasible and listenable takes that he had all day. Um, and then Rob Palenka is asked about it at the press conference, and he says that he is now they they have dissolved Magic's former position of president of basketball operations, and now he is uh, he is now working directly with Jeannie Buss. He gets all the information from everybody in that room, uh, the Rambi, the other two Buss siblings, Joey and Jesse, uh, anybody else, Linda, oh, no, I already said Rambi. Uh, Tim Harris apparently is, is in, that, in that room. Phil Jackson apparently is in that room. So he takes all of that feedback, makes a decision, and now runs it by Jeannie Buss, which is at least a funnel effect, right? But there's Yeah, and still I would assume lot. that like the analytics department and the coaching staff are factored in there somewhere as well and mm-hmm. all of Jason that. Jason Kidd and, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so. Let's just, let's just, Jason Kidd is put off for another day, okay? Which is, we're just, cr- we're well. Just, no, we're, pun- we're punting that one down the road. We're going to deal with all that. <laughs> A little later, there the was a daily show. Today. We'll have plenty of time to talk about yeah. the stupidity that is the Jason Kidd hire. Uh, but I want to I want to ask you about the 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 structure. I wrote about this one for Silver Screen. It was it was my job to write about the organizational structure. And one of the points, one of the notes that you had for me after the fact was, this is now the end of even the last vestiges of plausible deniability. If if you're Genie Bus with the basketball operations side of things. Yeah, like Rob Palenka, when he was outlining all of that and saying that basically now he makes he doesn't make a decision. He makes a recommendation to Jeannie Buss mm-hmm. was a big thing. And they were, you that know, means he the tried decision to play it is Jeannie. Yeah, he tried to play it off like they were like. Uh, like, OK, Magic Johnson's position never existed within the organization before and that they were just like and that they were just dissolving that. And now it was going to go back to normal. Like, that's not the case. If we go back even a couple generations within the Lakers front office, like before uh, back in the Shaq and Kobe era, when Jerry West was building those teams, he had Mitch Kupchak, who was functionally in the same role as like, G- even though I think technically he was considered assistant GM and Jerry yeah. West was GM. Mm-hmm. Functionally, it was the same relationship as the president of B-Ball Ops and general manager style relationship that the Lakers have had. Well, the, like, the, the difference here also is that Jerry Buss understood basketball. Yes, but no. Well, so I, what I'm saying is that there were two people in the front office and mm-hmm. then they went out and then it was going up to ownership. Yeah. Then you go down to the next generation of the front office and it's Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss. And Jim Buss is the vice president of basketball operations and Jerry Buss also being involved. And it's more of like it's kind of a triumvirate. But at the same time, Jim Buss was clearly ahead, was clearly above Mitch Kupchak. And, Mitch and Kupchak Jerry, was Jerry at that time was being phased out because of his health. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you have like even though he was vice president of basketball operations and eventually when, you know, Magic executed his palace coup and took over with Rob Palenka and Magic was president of basketball operations, which is a position that, yes, technically with the Lakers had never existed before. Yeah. It was created for Magic Johnson. Yes, technically that is true. It is also not 100 percent truthful. Like it was basically it was replacing the vice president of basketball operations title that oversaw the general manager. So now it was a president of basketball operations overseeing the general manager that that major decision maker above the GM in between the GM and ownership is now removed. And it is Rob Palenka as the GM recommending things to Jeannie Buss. It is no longer Jeannie Buss from back during the Jim Buss era where she got to say, uh, oh, hands up. I didn't, I did not, was not involved in basketball decisions. Or even as Rob Palenka outlined today, how Magic Johnson was supposed to be the final decision maker. Evidently, he didn't feel that way, but that was how things were supposed to be laid out, was that Magic was the final decision maker. Now you have Jeannie, like, on the record from Palenka as she is the decision maker now. She is Mm -hmm. getting these recommendations from Rob Palenka. And so in essence, I would imagine she, it's going to be the type of thing where he recommends something. She says, yes, that's tr- the traditional owner decision maker relationship. Cause you hire that person cause you trust their decision making, mm-hmm. but there is no longer that wall of the major decision maker between her and the GM. So it is like if Rob Palenka is just recommending things now and Jeannie Buss is signing off on them. So if things go really right with the Lakers, then Jeannie Buss deserves credit for that. It mm-hmm. means that she's a better owner than I think you or I really uh, believe that she is necessarily. Mm-hmm. And if things do not go well, that means that Jeannie Buss signed off on those decisions. There is no more using any like Jim Buss, Magic Johnson, anyone is a meat shield anymore. Like the accountability yep now falls in her lap and that is kind of amidst all of this that might be the biggest and most meaningful thing to come out of today and it has gone completely under the radar yeah that this is so people didn't really like it when i compared genie to cersei uh on the show really people People didn't like that people didn't like that all that much um but the point of that wasn't to say that like Jeannie is a mass murderer or or anything like it's not a direct correlation, obviously. But the point I was making or I was trying to make and maybe I made it poorly was the circle keeps shrinking around her, just as we saw with Cersei. Eventually, it was it was Cersei, Kyburn, and the mountain, and then Kyburn's back of the head hit. <laughs> He got thrown down the stairs, and it was Cersei in the mountain. In an unsatisfying season, largely. Although I was like, I was kind of okay. Game of Thrones. We can maybe talk about this at the end if you want to talk Thrones. But like, uh, I was mostly okay with where they ended up. I felt like they rushed things a little bit. That was one of the more satisfying moments. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Ben. <laughs> but honestly, though, I feel like well, Jeannie is the she is more like the comparison to Danny that she always wants to make as the mother of dragons that now looks regrettable in hindsight. Shrinking circle, right? Yes. Well, a shrinking inner circle and, like, the difference between her, like, Cersei went out and seized every bit of power that she could get. She came from, obviously, like, a powerful house or whatever, Mm -hmm. but she did not become queen because it was her birthright. She married into it. She moved upward. She put her children into position through, like, bloody coups and plans and plotting and whatever, and it didn't end up yeah, what, what's the difference in the conversation right now? <laughs> <laughs> it, it obviously did not work out for Cersei. But I, to me, the, the Danny comparison is more apt still. And that's the one that Jeannie made originally. But it's almost more apt to final season of like, 
you know, this is mine by birthright. I'm going to do whatever it can to take it. Despite everyone telling me X, Y, and Z is a bad idea. I'm going to burn down this whole city because, and destroy my whole castle and like just, you know, cut off my own nose to spite my face because this is my birthright and I should run the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And it's almost more like that at this point. Well, and, and the point, the reason I'm talking about the shrinking circle is eventually, eventually that debt has to be paid. Right, those mistakes that 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 loss of of capital that the the that Jeannie is is incurring on herself with the fan base, eventually that's going to have to be paid in some way, shape, or form, and and now you know maybe miraculously things work out. Maybe maybe it's not even that miraculous. There, it's easy to see. Yeah, they they, they sign the right free agent. They out. make the yep. right trade. They they figure this out. Right? Maybe maybe that happens. And they sign a star and just don't actively seek to shoot themselves in the foot with their role players. Yeah, like yeah. And and so maybe maybe that happens. Maybe that's the outcome here. And 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 all is hunky dory at the end. But when you shrink the circle to the level that this thing has shrunk, like you and I, we've gone back and forth on that on that article that I was thinking about writing, and then eventually we just kind of repurpose it for something else. But but you look at like the the names that were once associated with the Lakers that have gone unreplaced. Doctor Jerry Buss, uh, who's technically been replaced by Jeannie and Jim, but. I, you'd almost be rather they didn't do the replacing there. Uh, Jerry West steps away. Mitch Kupchak steps away. Which, by the way, like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of retroactive crapping on on Mitch Kupchak. The dude won two titles, like by yeah. himself. So no, and he he largely built those teams. Yeah. and you know, like the thing that he always gets crap for is the dang and Moskov signing. That was because they were under Jim Buss's yeah. self-imposed gun. Yeah. So you, you look at, you know, so, so you, you lose Pat Riley steps away, you lose Phil Jackson steps away and, and, and they, they've lost all of these, these huge voices in the room that actually earned the, the cachet that they had when they said things and they've been replaced by people. They've been replaced by Linda uh, Rambis. They've been replaced by Jeannie Buss. They've been replaced by uh, Jim Buss. They've been replaced by Rob Palinka and now Tim Harris and now Kurt Rambis. You know, Phil Jackson is making his way back into the fold, but not in the, not in the role that he was actually successful at. Right. And, and you look at this, the shrinking circle and these, the lack of, of, of feasible replacements for these people. Eventually that debt is going to have to be paid. And, and in this case for Jeannie, and this is something that Pete and I have talked about quite a bit, pretty extensively, is the only hope, other than things just working out because they're the Lakers, the only hope is things are such a disaster that that, that, that bill winds up coming up and somebody has to pay it, and that somebody is Jeannie. And and the only way that she can she can you know pay this date debt or or make up for all of these mistakes and lack of replacements is to say or have minority owners or other bus siblings say, all right, this is not worth it anymore. You have you have you have failed this organization, and and those are the only this is the this is the closest we've ever been uh, in watching all of this take place, where those are the only two outcomes. This is the, this that's the only this, there's a fork in the road here and we're going to find out really quickly really shortly what direction the Lakers are going to go in and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that and 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 we've already seen these guys not be very good at 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 showing accountability taking accountability for mistakes 
we, you and I predicted this. One of the things that you and I have been talking about forever is this is going to get way uglier before it gets any nicer, right? With all the yeah. leaks and all of these things. That's because these people aren't good at, at taking criticism, at taking blame, at taking accountability. And, and this right here, this fork in the road is going to be, you know, where we find out, all right, either they're going to show accountability for mistakes or they're going to stop making them. But, but one of those two things has to give. No, I I agree with all of that. Actually, like I think I think it's well said, and yeah, it's sink or swim time for this for this front office regime, and for them to prove that okay, because they they the big talking point from Palinka and from Vogel was not just tune out the outside noise, but and then this was also leaked to Ramona Shelburne of ESPN that like this is what the Lakers are saying to her and other people behind closed doors as well is like. We, we aren't going to try and push our narrative because the only thing that's going to change the narrative is success. So we just have mm-hmm. to try and change that. They're right, but I they're right that success would change the narrative. I don't know that that's the only way to fight it right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to see real quick because they aren't even trying to fight it any other ways. So, yeah. like, people are going to be – like, if you thought the protesting and all that stuff was bad now, imagine if they don't sign a free agent or the, if they – and then they get off to a slow start next year. Yeah. Like, fans are not going to be happy with you wasting another year of LeBron James when you keep talking about he's the best player in the world and all this stuff. Like there there's Palinka said it a bunch of times at the presser today. There's expectations that come with running the Lakers and that come with being a Lakers fans and that like the Lakers, the the Lakers fans are entitled to those expectations. And you know, he's not wrong. Like Mm -hmm. people here are going to have a high standard for you. And this is not the rebuilding years anymore. This is the time when you got to put a team together. Yep. I completely agree. Do you want to end on a, on a little bit of Thrones talk? Uh, we can. I also I also found uh, we could do like a fun facts because I found a fun fact about Tim Harris that I didn't realize just like Googling his name really quickly to make sure that I had his position right. Sure. But according to Wikipedia, he is a did you know that he's a retired American soccer goalkeeper who spent four seasons in the major indoor soccer league? He actually looks like it. Yeah. So I could see that. Yeah, so he, one in the Western Soccer League as well. He earned he, one cap with the U.S. national team. He looks like uh, Michael Chiklis a little bit, the guy from The Shield. Yeah, it's just like kind of a stunning career turn to go from, you know, <laughs> professional soccer goalie to – so like who said the Lakers don't have enough former athletes in the, in the front office? There like Magic, just, they just needed to tell him he was a goalie. Yeah. All right, what we're going to do uh, – if you aren't into Game of Thrones, if you aren't fully caught up, this is going to be the end of our Lakers talk. This is it. So you can end the podcast here. If you want to hear Harrison and me talk about Game of Thrones, we're going to do it for about five-ish minutes and then call it a day. Fair warning, three, two, one. There will be spoilers. Yes. Spoiler alert, you've been fully warned. If you somehow have like made it all the way to this point and you're like, oh, wait, but I haven't watched the last episode yet. Yeah. Like if you were unclear, there will be <laughs> this spoilers. Is, this is all we're talking about. Uh, I want to uh, I want to start here. One of the things that I've been thinking about quite a bit all day was George R. R. Martin apparently filled them in, filled D&D in on how the series is ending, right? How the yeah. books are ending. And the ending itself the way all of these characters make their way off into the, either the sunset or die off, whatever it is, those endings make sense, 
right? Yes. And it kind of and it kind of jives with the theory that like the show struggled in 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 and kind of lost itself a little bit when George R. R. Martin when they ran out of source material, right? And then now they get back to source material. Well, and he left the writers' room. Yeah, and 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 yeah. so they get back to source material in the in the way of this is how it ends, and that makes sense. The problem here is, and, and this is going to shock everybody, the process sucked. <laughs> Getting here just doesn't make any sense. To go from, to have Danny at one point go from locking up her dragons because Drogon, not even the, not even the dragon that was responsible for killing the child, the two dragons that were not responsible for it happened to be there. She changed those two dragons up and kind of sort of dooms them to death, right? Because they didn't develop as much as Drogon did while they were stuck under the castle. So you're telling me the same character who did that over one innocent life is now going to go completely bonkers and commit actual genocide over people who, it, after the, the the battle had already been won, you can set that up for me. You can you can try to go back and and I think you kind of saw it after the fact where Tyrion was making the case, like listing the things that we no, should have noticed. No, I actually thought that he did he did a pretty excellent job he of tried. rounding up how she did not she did not deal with adversity well, and it just so happened that this time it wasn't people that were easy to see as evil in her way and that maybe we shouldn't have seen it necessarily as like a righteous streak or that she only punished the unjust or that she only punished people who would do her harm. One of the things, what we saw was that she punished anyone who was in the way of her goals Mm -hmm. and like the, these people happened to be, and like, yes, she, she tried to do the right things when it was convenient, like, like chaining up the dragons because they killed a child. Like that's an easy thing to see. It's like, Oh, that's wrong. But like early on, especially, but you saw her over the season start to make more and more sacrifices as she realized that that's what's necessary to assume power and to take on that power. And it just so happened that this time it was innocent people in the way of her, like of what she wanted. And she was within like inches grasp of it. And I, I think she just lost it. But who was, who was in her way? The innocent, like the, the, the city folk weren't in her way. And then like, Here's the thing. I, I think you can, she was also dealing with, like, she didn't deal well with people telling her that she was not the one true leader and one yeah, true yeah. whatever. And I think that Absolutely. she held a grudge for how much these people – and it wasn't the King's Land, the people of King's Landing. Obviously, they didn't really probably know very much, if anything, about Jon Snow and all that. But no. she just kept seeing the way that the common people looked at him. And I think that, like, it all came together and she just snapped. Like, I don't think that it was – I agree with you that it wasn't the most well executed. But you could see the broad outline of it there if you were looking for it well right well this is kind of my point though you can't Tyrion can't have that conversation after the fact right they can't they can't heading into the the episode the episode where she actually does snap like that they can't in a in a previously on game of thrones clip go back and show all these these voices in her head that are driving her insane, right? You have to, like, that to me... Well, was, we saw the whole episode was, you know, Varys was warning everyone about, you know, I see I see what path she's headed down, and it's not good, and they didn't listen. Well, right, but even, but Varys, like, Varys was gone for two seasons. And Varys, like, part of the reason why she was he- heading down this path was she was listening to Varys's terrible advice. If she just, let's just say... Let's just say she go she when they first arrive in Westeros, 
she she flies the three dragons or even just one dragon. This is before they had the the scorpions or even the bigger scorpions, yeah. right? If she just flies the the Drogon in there and Heron hauls it, right? Where the only focus of the of the fire is on the castle, on the Red Keep, burns everybody alive who is in the Red Keep and focuses on that. And then and then you you know, you have the opportunity to have her if you if you want to create the the struggle between John and Danny, you know maybe John was against that plan in the first place, and he didn't like that that's what she did and and maybe there were some innocent people inside the castle that John just couldn't stand maybe Arya's inside the castle or something like you know Arya's yeah. on her mission she's trying to kill somebody else and and you know some innocent life was lost you can you can then you now have more time to have that struggle not just between Danny and John if that's something that you really absolutely need if that's if that's the the center point of the struggle that you're going to have politically but you also have time to 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 have the process of danny actually going insane getting desperate because uh even with her you know in her in her mind liberating everybody from the grip of cersei's rule to to have those people still see John as the hero, like that would drive her insane. And you can actually go through that. Yeah, loss. I think with more seasons, they would have had you, time to more eloquently. I don't even think you needed more seasons. You needed to kill Cersei sooner. Yeah, I mean that's another option to do it. I I just feel like I, I think she snapped, and like I think that they did, like they wrote it in there. I think they wrote in concerns. Like I, I don't know, like it could have been better. I think, mm-hmm. but. I also think that, you know, it's one of the best TV shows in history and no one ever likes the ending of their favorite things other than like Breaking Bad. I and actually like the ending. I, yeah. I thought yesterday's episode was fine. I thought it was a good episode for the for yeah. last episode. Yeah, I thought it was OK. I just agree with you that a lot of it felt rushed. I, I yeah. just think that where everyone ended up was kind of OK and kind of like it made sense story wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the people and, that like I I don't know the people that saw her as like this savior slash name like, their kids Danny and Daenerys yeah all this stuff like Khaleesi you were not getting the message of the show or like paying you just weren't paying close enough attention I'm sorry it's mm-hmm. just like she always had dictator like tendencies like she always struggled when she wasn't universally welcomed and beloved by her people my my, my counter to that though is yeah she had a white savior complex. Yeah. Well, I mean, John also white savior. Yeah. Like, well, so the, the only the only saviors had, in the show like happen to be white. Himself. So, but I, I came from nothing. My my counterpoint to that is like that's the only form of rule that they have in that universe. Yeah. So like every if you're if you're going to try to liberate people, you have to be a dictator. That's the only other way that they at least for a little while, right? And like then maybe la- really- as an aside, them laughing at the idea of democracy last night was, was really funny. funny. It was like it was it would that would have been too perfect of an ending if yeah. they'd been like, you know what? We should put it up for a vote. And that's yeah. how America was born. Should we give our dogs a vote? <laughs> it was great. That was really good. And when Sansa uh, told her uncle to just sit down, that was amazing. I called him Jeb Muir Tully after the uh, after the episode. I saw somebody point out that he looks like Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> oh, somebody replied to me with an account named Ed Muir O'Rourke. That's that's they, good. They put up they put the two pictures side by side and said same energy, and I was dying. 
<laughs> him like bumping like that's the thing this show is so capable of those moments even if it's like levity that they're looking for yeah they lost all the levity over the over the course of the last like two Ron seasons. wasn't like, around enough that was a yeah. big part of it too he, yeah. he was the source of a lot of those moments especially with Tyrion, right Tyrion yeah. went into this phase where he just whined the whole time like there was i thought i thought last night's episode was the closest thing to like what would what we missed about the show, right? Even like the pacing of the episode, how long I, it took. I re- yeah, I, I agree. I, I really enjoy it. I'm in the minority on this. I know, but I really enjoyed the battle of Winterfell. Um, and I enjoyed the episode leading up to that. I felt like the, the first episode of the season was a little boring, but it was kind of necessary. Like, I guess mm-hmm. exposition, you got to get some of that stuff in. Um, but so much of that expedition exposition wasn't even used though. Yeah. You know, that's a bummer. Like th- a lot they of the stuff needed that- another probably at least two episodes. And yeah. yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that they couldn't completely stick the landing. But I don't know. I really enjoyed last night's episode. I did not expect to be so affected by a CGI dragon mourning the loss of its uh, mourning yeah. loss of its mom. Like the Simba, uh, like Pat, you know? Yeah. Like nudging, nudging. Yeah. I thought that was really good. And then Ghost got his boop. Yeah. He finally I, got – they finally found it in the budget to get Jon Snow. I, I honestly – I my I have a conspiracy theory that they saw the outrage and they made Kit Harrington come back and film a new scene. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like somewhere on a Hollywood – they're like, oh, Put man. a wig on him. Yeah. <laughs> put, put a wig on him. Like took they're him like, up to – No, we need you to come back and just pet the dog. Like apparently people are really mad. It's snowing in like Mammoth right now. That's where they just ran up those there. Guys, those right – those uh, D&D are definitely cat people. Yeah. That's what or we they, learned. They just They're like an pets. animal wouldn't want to be pet. <laughs> or they just don't have pets. Yeah. Like that's my guess. Because even cats, like cats do show affection. It's just on their own time. Yeah, but cats don't necessarily always like it when you go out and seek them out to no, give yeah. them affection. If you yeah. if you chase a cat, they're just they're gonna flip you off or or scratch you or something like that. But if like if you're just sitting there on the couch, you're not paying any attention to them, they'll come up and sit on your lap. At least Oreo okay. did. Maybe your cat just hates you. Uh, he, we have a, we have an up and down relationship. <laughs> he scratched me pretty bad today. <laughs> Cat claws are a different thing than, than like dog claws. Dog, yeah. I get, Callie will get me all the time, but it doesn't hurt that much. But like a cat claw where they actually, cause they're sharper all the time. Yeah. Anywho. This was not where I expected this episode to end. <laughs> Uh, All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Lakers slash Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, Thank you, Harrison, for for hopping on, and then I guess I'm going to talk to you in a a couple days. Yeah. Uh, So so thanks for that. At some point, we got to get rid of... It's a bummer you didn't wear your fedora for for your graduation. Uh, Well, it was raining, so that would have ruined the fedora, potentially. I couldn't risk it like that. Even even a bigger bummer that you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day, everybody, Uh, and we will talk to you tomorrow.